Hello, how is everyone doing? I hope we are doing very well. We are back with episode number two of the podcast. So the other day I put up a question tag on my story and one of the questions I got, I thought it would be good to make a podcast on it. So it was go- the question was asking, how do you program back volume in an upper lower training style? So the, the main topic of this, this podcast is how I would suggest that you go about programming the, your back volume in the upper lower training style. Okay, cool. So we need to assess frequency. So obviously with the frequency, the general style laying out an upper lower training style is upper twice, lower twice. So, so for example, up on a Monday, lower on a Tuesday rest, and then filling the remainder of the week with two more training days and then um, three rest days throughout the rest. So you need to question where you're going to have your main pulling movement. So for example, an RDL movement, I'd like to situate that on a leg day. So if I situate that on the leg day, for example, on the second, on the first leg day, the second day of the week, you'd have to question your volume on the upper session on the Monday because you wouldn't want lower back loading or a huge amount of lower back loading impairing your ability to load on that lower session. So that comes down to the fact that if possible, I like to have a rest day before and after a, le- a leg session, the, the, after the leg sessions that have a large quantity of lower back loading, because lower back loading is hugely dependent on the individual. Some people can get away with a lot of lower back loading and some people can get away with really, really minimal lower back loading and the, uh, the muscle soreness, the fatigue buildup is huge, um, even with minimal lower back loading and obviously it pulls into question the fact that when you're new to training the novel stimulus is going to be high and the fact that obviously when you're progressing and you've been training for a while your loading is going to be greater so yes potentially you're going to be used to the stimulus more but your your loading is going to be greater so then you're consequently going to potentially have more fatigue build up so i like to put an rdl on my uh, leg days so lower back loading coming from that and then if I choose to, which I would most likely have a squat on my leg days, that would pull into some lower back loading if it is a barbell squat. So you'd have to highlight that and potentially the lower back loading might be too much throughout the week. So you may have to then opt for a squatting movement like a hack squat that you're more locked into the movement and potentially don't have the, the uh, as much lower back loading there or potentially pulling in an, a leg press. So for example, I'll go over what I would do leg day wise. So leg day, first leg day, I'd like to have a rest day before and after. I'd have an RDL movement on that leg day. That would be the main movement on that leg day. The main movement I'm looking to progress as much as possible. Everything's glued around progression on that movement. And then I have my other movements, which yes, I still want to progress, but the main sort of compound movement of that leg day is the RDL. Second leg day, I would go for a movement like a hack squat or a leg press, and that would be the main sort of movement of that day. Lower back loading slightly less. So, so then moving on to the upper, how I'd approach the upper. So the upper would, the first upper um, coming a day after the rest day of the first lower, wouldn't have lower back loading or at least a huge amount. It would focus on working through our planes of movement. So our horizontal pulling movement and our vertical, our horizontal row, sorry, and our vertical pull. So I would opt for something like a pull-up. I feel those that pull up and those that pull up for numerous rate uh, reps with with loading attached, they have it. They have hugely developed muscular 
musculature on their back. And I, I yes, it sort of has the same movement pattern, but I, I feel those that do pull-ups and those that do lat pull-downs, there's, there's a difference in their physique. So I would opt for a pull-up, um, be it on the assisted mach- dip on the assisted pull-up machine, just because it allows you to keep your uh, your back in that flat position. So it doesn't allow you to bounce at the bottom of the movement. It means that you have to stay locked in, and then consequently you just have to think about driving with the, retracting the scapula and driving with the elbows. It stops you from bouncing at the bottom of the movement because you see a lot of people on their pull-up movements they end up bouncing a lot. This this just takes out that ability to bounce and drives all the loading if forms correct into the lats which is which is the majority of that goal and then horizontal row wise i would look at something like a bent over row so that yes there's going to be some lower back loading but there's not going to be a huge amount and most likely you're going to be able to cope with it so i would opt for something like a bent over row and aim to progress that hugely that would most potentially come before the pull-up um, and then i'll potentially have a little pre-activation for the lats um, prior to the bent over row so I might do for example um, a, a pullover or something prior to the bent over row and then the bent over row into the pull up and then potentially there potentially wouldn't be a knee but then I potentially might do a shrug variation or I most likely I most likely would leave that until the second upper session when I uh, have less less programmed back volume which I can then move on to the upper session. The thing with an upper upper lower session is obviously you have those four training days. So with with a lower frequency, volume per session has to be higher and vice versa. The, the, the higher the frequency, the lower the volume. And it obviously intensity plays a role in this as well. With a higher intensity, our volume and frequency needs to come down slightly um, and vice versa. So if if on the second upper session, that could be slightly more focused around our push, our pushing movements, so our chest um, deltoids. And then the back could come as a, as uh, later on in the workout, whereas the first one, dependent on if your main goal is back development or or development from the front shots, um, you could go about switching out which way you start prioritizing which um, muscles on the upper session. On the second upper session, back volume, I would go with I would go with a shrug variation because we haven't got that shrug var- variation on earlier in the week. And we're still going to, yes, get some um, trap recruitment from our pulling movements. But we, I, I, what I feel and what I feel from experience, from myself, clients, you need some direct trap training if you truly want to grow the muscle. It's like, for example, it's similar, you can look at it from the similar standpoint. If you're trying to grow your triceps, you wouldn't just do pressing movements. You would do some sort of tricep volume just to recruit more volume because, yes, you're going to recruit volume doing pressing movements, but that volume most likely isn't going to be, it, it's not going to be, fully targeted towards the triceps and the volume to to generate enough of a stimulus through the triceps you'd have to crank up your volume quite high and that volume being cranked up quite high would most likely not allow you to um, recover from because that volume would then be on your chest deltoids and the loading would be quite heavy in most cases and then you wouldn't recover so I would add in some extra extra trap volume on the upper sessions so for example I'd still try and go through those planes of movement so I'd go for the vertical vertical pull, horizontal row, and then instead of having that uh, pre-activation lat movement, I might have something like a shrug. Once again, there will be some lower back loading on the um, shrug. If you choose to do it on a free weight bar as opposed to a Smith machine, I would try and do it on a free weight bar. I just feel connection-wise, I connect hugely well with the dumbbell variation 
potentially seated um, just takes out all ability for leg drive because you see a lot of people with their shrugs they end up doing leg drive we we, we want to contract we want to target the, the traps when we do the shrug we don't just want to end up bouncing knee drive and and moving our shoulders all over the place head all over the place so i would do it seated and that's how i do it so i'll quickly just go over a run through of what i would do so monday i'd have a leg session rdl is the main focus on the tuesday i'd have a rest day wednesday i'd have an upper session the um the upper session being focused starting off with the back so i'll do a, a lat activation then a bent over row and then a pull up wednesday i'd have a rest day thursday i'd do a lower session which is being focused around a hack squat or a leg press so minimal lower back loading and then um, friday i'd have a rest day saturday i would have an upper session and that upper session would be the main focus would be on the the chest deltoids and then at the end, I would potentially do something. I would most likely start with a, a vertical pull this time down, this time around, and then move on to a horizontal row and then a shrug variation. That seems to work pretty well for myself. Obviously, volume's dependent on individuals, but that works well for myself and it's allowed me to progress pretty well. Obviously, the volume that you do on those on those exercises will dictate whether it's it's effective volume junk volume and it will dictate the outcome so that's that's just a run through of what i would do in terms of programming back volume on an upper lower training style volume is going to be dependent to yourself and the the amount of intensity that you can bring to sessions is going to be dependent on yourself but you for you to gauge truly what rpe that you're working at the rate of perceived exertion you need to fully know what it feels like to take a set to mechanical failure because you can't base an rpe off something that you haven't ever been to you need to know what it feels like to go to mechanical failure and then from that you can base the rpe work i'm not suggesting everyone new to the gym should go to all-out mechanical failure but you have to know what all-out mechanical failure feels like to gauge going to an rpe yes the novel stimulus is going to be high so most likely fatigue will be will be quite high but when you're new to the gym, you, you, you tend to grow from a, a large majority of the stimulus because it's all new. But you want to get into a way of doing optimal things. So I would suggest getting into an approach which has a lower volume, a higher frequency, and the intensity is potentially higher up. I wouldn't go to all-out mechanical failure um, consistently when you're new because the stimulus, like I said, is going to be phenomenal novel stimulus but i would learn what true mechanical failure feels like thank you very much guys i hope that was good and i hope you enjoyed that episode please um drop me some feedback in regards to the episode i love to hear what you guys think and drop me some ideas that you would like to see in the next couple of episodes i will be getting some guests on the podcast next very soon the next get, next podcast will most likely be with george um talking over mentality with pushing up scale weight what it feels like gaining body fat and how you can go about gaining body fat and pitching the long-term game with keeping your health in check and keeping um, mentally in, in in check the main main focus of that will be the mental regard i hope that's all good and i hope you guys enjoyed that podcast see you very soon in the next one thanks a lot guys